0: Well, good morning. morning. Thanks for braving the weather and coming out today. We want to welcome all of our campuses joining us online and all of you joining us online. We appreciate you being here today. Taking a few uh, Sundays here at the beginning of the year to make sure we're all on the same page as we move forward together in two thousand. And 19, uh, we are looking at some major goals and different things and our core values. We'll talk more about that in a second. If you're brand new with us, this is a perfect time for you to be here right on the ground floor. If you've been coming for a while, this is a great time as well as we lock arms and move forward together. Two weeks ago, uh, I presented uh, our, our major goals. Uh, they are not grandiose at all. They are some basic things that we have to do as we move forward. Uh, One of them was to really allow the congregation to be empowered. And we want to make sure that everyone is using his or her gift that God has given. 1 Peter 4.10 says everyone has a gift and should be using it. The second one was we want to make sure that every campus, South Hills included, is developing the leaders we need to develop that we are developing the resources we need to develop, and we are looking for the local ministries that God has put uh, in our path, and we want to make sure uh, we are doing that well. The third one, we want to make certain that when a person pulls into our parking lot, gets parked, enters the church, comes to uh, the gathering here as we sing and look at God's Word, getting their kids to the right room, then getting connected in a small group or an ABF or some other group of people, and then using their gifts. We call that assimilation, and we want to make sure that path is clear and obstacle-free. We have a lot of work to do on that. So those are the three goals. We're going to be talking about those after the service in room 180, not in the FLC like in your bulletin. In room 180, there is... Try to hold your excitement... All the pizza you can eat. And today, even probably more pizza uh, than you can eat. So uh, be sure to join us there Again, we have a lot of work to do. And again, these goals are not grandiose. They're not big, audacious goals. They're the things we have to do to build the platforms to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Our mission here at the Bible Chapel is to develop followers of Jesus Christ. We love that we're developed. Because it means two things. It means to bring into reality, that's the non-believer. And it means to make stronger, that's the believer. With that mission, we have what we call our core values. And we're spending some time here at the first of the year talking about our core values. That's for our church, the core values for our church. Those core values personalized, we call the five essentials. Word, worship, connect, serve, share. Word, Every person needs to be in the Word of God on a daily basis. Worship, we're going to talk about that today. Connect the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. Serve, use the gift that God has given you, and share the message of Christ. Tell others about Jesus. Now, next week is our Friendship Weekend. We have been having Friendship Weekend here at the Bible Chapel long before I got here, 29 years ago. So this is a long tradition of our church. And next week, uh, Tunch Ilkin will be leading that service. Tunch uh, leads our men's ministry. He's a pastor of our men's ministry. And he has a special gift, guest, a, a stealer, a current stealer named Vance McDonald. Anyone have you heard of Vance McDonald? All right? So he's going to be here next week. Now, the purpose of next week is what? Share. We are sharing the message of Jesus Christ. We're going to use Vance McDonald, because everybody likes the Steelers around the world, right? He's a hook for you to say, here's a guy going to be at our church. But the purpose of you bringing someone is to hear the message of Jesus. And Tunch will make certain that happens through the interview. So you're not to bring someone who just loves the Steelers. You're to bring someone who does not know Jesus. Pray, God, who would you have me bring? A neighbor, friend? Someone I could say, hey, let's go hear Vance McDonald. But in doing that, you're going to hear the message of Jesus Christ. So that's next week. We encourage you to do that. All right, we're going to look at worship today. And uh, as we do that, let me pray and uh, prepare us spiritually as we've done through singing at all of our campuses Uh, Let's ask God to help us as we look at His Word. Lord, um, we come now and we look at Your Word. Last time we were together, we saw that Your Word can be trusted. It's the final authority for life and living. You have given it to us. You've preserved it uh, through these many years, and we can open it up and know that we are hearing from You, the living God. And, Father, we pray that as we look at your word today, you would speak to us as only you can do. Only you can reach the depths of our heart. Only you can deal with those things that need to be dealt with. So, Father, we pray that you would do that today. We leave our time to you. And in all of our campuses, South Hills, and Robinson, and Washington, Wilkinsburg, and Ross We come together, and in one voice we want to lift up this prayer to you that Jesus, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is a kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, core values. Last time we looked at Word. Next week, we're going to look at share. We're going to do it. We're going to experience that. And today, we want to focus on worship. And I want to make one application, one specific application to worship today, and that is valuing all human life that God has created. Let's start with the definition of worship. Worship is simply this. Worship is my active demonstration, my personal active demonstration of my love for God in every area of my life, all day, every day. I want to say that again. Worship is my demonstration of my love for God in every area of my life, all day, every day. In the church, unfortunately, we have made worship out to be what? Singing songs. And so we talk about we had a great time of worship, or we talk about we're going to the worship service. And many people think they have worship if they have enjoyed or engaged in singing some songs together on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. Of course, it has to be their favorite song in the right version, and the music can't be too loud or it needs to be louder depending on who you are, right? And all of us have our favorite songs, and all of us have our favorite versions, and all of us have an audible that we like. But singing is just a small part of worship. Worship is every aspect of my life. When you leave the parking lot, you're worshiping. When you're on 19 you're worshiping. When you're on 79, when you're worshiping. When you're on Penn Avenue in Wilkinsburg, you are worshiping. When you're in the car, when you are with your family, when you're at work, worship is 24-7. You, a believer, cannot not worship. And so everything we do is our expression to God. God, we love you. We want to demonstrate that to you. And when we understand what worship is, that should give us a a mindset that we always have to be on. I can't lose it in the grocery store. I've done that a couple times, but I can't do that anymore because other people are watching. Every action, behind closed doors or in public, is an act of worship. One way we can demonstrate our worship to the Lord is by valuing the great gift of life. All of life, from conception to the final breath, is a great gift of God, Psalm 127.3. And for us the Bible Chapel, to be pro-life is not a political issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. It's not an independent issue. Being pro-life is a biblical issue. It comes from Scripture. We're going to see today that God is the one who ordains life. God is the one who ordains all of our days. From conception to the last breath. He's the one in charge. Not us, but God. You can also know that science, as much development has happened medically, confirms what the Bible says. Isn't that amazing? God's truth is truth. And so anything we learn or anything we find just supports what God already said. Do your research. In USA Today, uh, this week, we went on the march on Friday, and we were looking on, Laura and I were looking at USA Today to see if they had any articles. And there was an article written, and it talked about the textbook of embryology. The, text, the medical textbook says, yeah, when that sperm and that egg come together, that's a, that's a life. It's not the Bible. Science backs it up. That life comes together. And here's what it said. The unborn child possesses from the beginning beginning, DNA that informs a person's unique characteristics from the very beginning. This is science. So don't let anyone tell you that life doesn't begin from the moment of conception. I preached a lot of sermons on sanctity of life. You're welcome to look at those. You can find the messages on the website. But today, we want to focus on one group of people, a valued group of people in our community, individuals with special needs. Unfortunately and sadly, many special lives are never born. A prognosis is given, and a life is ended in the womb. Laura and I have been uh, pro-life for as long as we can remember, and, and that was already the culture when we came to the Bible Chapel, and it was just a, a, a great gift, blessing to, to, to be a part of that. And so we've always believed in it, but I got to tell you, in the last, um, in the last few months, uh, we have uh, we've really come to grips with it, even in a more personal way. Many of you know we have four uh, children. Uh, Our second uh, is a son, Garrison. He and Sarah uh, have uh, two uh, children. Uh, And then we have three married kids, and and our first daughter, Brittany, and our third child, Laura, uh, are both expecting. And uh, they told us uh, in different ways uh, over the summer, and and it was exciting uh, for us to hear that and is exciting for us to hear that. And both are kind of due right around the same time. Uh, at the end of February, which is going to be interesting for Lori, as she uh, juggles all that. We thank God for the great blessing. A couple of months uh, into Brittany and Josiah's Brittany's pregnancy, there were some concerns, and, and the doctors did some more testing, and uh, have learned that uh, Brittany's and, and Josiah's little baby has uh, trisomy 18. And uh, if you've read about that, uh, the prognosis is, is not good. Uh, this, this makes the future very uncertain. Uh, the majority of babies with this syndrome uh, don't live beyond a year, if that. Uh, and those who do, the 10% who do, uh, have significant challenges. Uh, sadly, 80%, 86% of all babies with trisomy 18 are aborted. And, and even though hearing that diagnosis was extremely difficult, ending uh, the baby's life uh, w- was never a consideration uh, for Brittany and, and Josiah. They've chosen life for their son and our grandson, and we're trusting God for his purpose uh, in this little boy's life, H- however long that is. All time is in God's hands. Josiah is a pastor at Orchard Hill Church uh, in the North Hills. It's a great church. And uh, at the end of December, he preached a sermon. Garrison and I actually were able to... Dave was preaching here that week, and Garrison and I wrote up and we were able to hear it. We didn't know he was going to talk about it, but he talked about uh, this diagnosis they learned and how they were kind of walking through it. And we put that link uh, on the sermon notes if you're interested uh, in, uh, in watching that. But both of these babies are precious lives. Babies that both Laura and Brittany are carrying. And they've reminded our family of just the great miracle that a baby is. And they've reminded us that all of our lives are in the hands of God. David writes about that in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 16. He writes this psalm to just talk about the sovereignty of God and the the power of God and the uh, uh, omniscience of God, that God is all-knowing, and that all of our life is in his hands. I'll let you read the rest of the psalm, but I just want to pick out a few verses and very quickly go through them. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, For you, God, you formed my inward parts, that word inward parts, uh, speaks of God forming the eternal soul. So think about that. We're not talking just physically here. God formed the eternal soul from the very beginning. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That word knitted is is, is another word for embroidered. Uh, David may here be thinking about the veins and arteries of the baby. You knitted me together. In my mother's womb. And then David breaks into praise. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, intricately woven. Isn't that a beautiful picture? This is poetry, but a beautiful picture of what God does. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And look at verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written... Every one of them, the days that you formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. All the days of my life are written in your book, another version says, before one of them came to be. So think about that. As a believer and as one who believes God's word, we believe life begins at conception, but you know what? We believe life begins before conception because all of us, right, are known in the eternal mind of God. God told Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you, before I formed you, before conception, I knew you. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Before conception, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. So we, we say life begins at conception, but as a believer, it begins before conception. In the eternal mind of God. And that makes every person perfect in God's sight. That makes every person formed by God. It's His perfect idea. Every person, regardless of their number of days, has meaning and purpose. Every person is ultimately and intimately valued by God. And part of our worship is treating each person with dignity and treating each person with value because every life is a gift from God. Now, a few years ago here at the Bible Chapel, we started uh, a ministry for individuals with special needs. And um, that was a vision of Nancy Harrison who led our children's ministry for almost 20 years. A few years later, we built a, an addition, a wing, to house the special needs ministry. And then uh, Jacqueline Royal. Uh, some of you remember Jacqueline Stottemeyer, got married. Jacqueline Royal came on and she heads up our uh, special needs man, director of special needs ministry. So I want to have a conversation uh, with Jacqueline today about this ministry. And So I'm going to ask you to welcome Jacqueline Stodemeyer. Not Jacqueline Stoudemire anymore, right? Jacqueline Oh, uh, Jacqueline yeah. Royal, I know that. And, hey, and you have a friend. Introduce your friend. Yes,
1: this is Lucy. We'll see how long she stays with us today. Um, sit down. Hey. Good girl. <laughs> um, she is our therapy dog here at the Bible Chapel. She was donated to us by a volunteer who um, wanted to, to donate a, uh, her to us, and um, she is well-loved in the ministry and well-loved by the staff and many of you guys.
0: So. She made it for about five minutes last yeah. night, about three minutes at yeah. nine, so, <laughs> so we'll see.
1: See how today goes, we'll see. 1045.
0: Jack, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you, uh, your work here at the Bible Chapel, the ministry that you lead. Tell us how, you, tell us how this came about. What did God do in your life to, to spark that uh, desire to be involved in special needs ministry?
1: Yes. So I lived in Pittsburgh till I was about six years old. We lived in Dormont, and we had a neighbor that lived down the street, the the Gordon family, and they had ten children. But at the time that I was living there, they were probably about I think they were they had six, and one of their sons who was a few years older than me, his name was Joey, and he had special needs. He um, was cognitively um, he developed till around the age of a three month old. So. He had to be to fed, to be changed, to be carried, um, um, lots of other needs. He, he had many needs. And this family did such a beautiful job of just loving Joey and, and being God's hands and feet to, to Joey. And, and all of the siblings, they, it was just beautiful to see. They never, um, you know, Joey was never disabled, their disabled brother. He was their brother who also happened to have a disability. And and that was just how they loved and treated Joey. And that that impacted my life greatly and kind of set the path for me moving forward and, and how my family and I and my parents continued to to raise us to just see people and and not their disability, and so um, and so that was a beautiful thing. And and in high school, I did therapeutic riding. I volunteered with therapeutic riding, and then in college, tops soccer, which is a soccer program for individuals with disabilities, and then in um, grad school, I decided to go more into the field, and so I got my master's at Pitt in early intervention specializing in autism. And um, while I was there, I. Started. I had been volunteering in the special needs ministry, and then Jennifer Christensen stepped down, and I stepped into the volunteer lead position. And as I graduated, I was asked to come on staff. I said I'd be here for two years. It's been five, and I love what I'm doing, and love that I'm still here.
0: So. Well, we have a contract that's uh, about a what 30-year contract. Something like that. We use. Uh, I, I use. Um, Jacqueline a lot with our staff because before Jacqueline was ever paid a penny uh, she was already doing ministry here she couldn't not she had such a passion she couldn't not do ministry and you were already organizing respites and, and days out and all that stuff and so man we just appreciate uh, you being here in your leadership uh, to this ministry um uh, I'm I'm surprised sometimes I shouldn't be, but I'll hear someone say, "Wow, we didn't even know the Bible Temple had a special needs ministry," and uh, we certainly don't want to keep that a secret, so we'll do a better job at communicating that. But but tell us about that ministry. What what what? what is it? What goes into it? What are some of the things that you guys do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's two aspects of the ministry. We have our children, which is birth to 18, and then we have our adult ministry, which is 18 and over. So for our children, um, everything that we have done with that special needs wing, there's been a lot of research that's gone into it, how we teach. Um, We try and teach in smaller groups, more interactive, um, let the children move more. We have learned that our children can't learn differently and and so we're, we try and teach them the best way that we're able to. So if our mission is to develop followers of Jesus Christ, our mission in the special needs ministry is to develop followers of Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't change. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're teaching them about Jesus, and we're teaching them um, the best way we know how. I think there's some photos of the classrooms up behind me. and So you could see the, from lighting to um, the videos and and the teaching, the um, training that goes into our teachers, into our volunteers. And and it's beautiful. Um, Our volunteers are humans and they make mistakes. And Our our parents are so gracious and loving and and they're always willing to help us better serve their children and and care for for our volunteers and and want to educate us because we're not perfect. and, And so they do a great job of helping us better teach their children also. Um, our adult ministry also has at 1045 you'll see um, individuals back there with special needs they'll come in they'll do corporate worship with us and then when worship's over we head downstairs and it's the same thing we know that they they learn differently it's a shorter lesson it's um, interactive and then they get breakfast which they really like <laughs> um, so that's fun that's kind of our our Sunday morning
0: that's a kind of a new ministry because you guys realize right, we need children but we need adults yeah, yeah. That's cool.
1: It's been really fun to get to be a Mm -hmm. part of the adult ministry. And then um, our Wednesday evenings, we see great value in inclusion. And we know that our peers can learn so much from our our kids with special needs. And we know our kids with special needs can learn so much from our peers. And so we have one-on-one buddies that go into the classrooms with our kids and help them um, throughout the evening during the Wednesday evening programming. So that's Wednesday evenings. And then the respite program and this, the respite programs and the day camp, that's all campuses. That's not just the South Hills okay. campus. It, it Anybody from any campus, you don't have to go here, be a member here. You are able to um, come and, and uh, attend the respites. They've actually been a great. Um, outreach to many people because we've had families start just by coming to the respites, seeing the program, and then coming here after, continuing to come here on Sunday mornings. So that's been really neat. The respites are a two-hour thing, and the the day camps are a little bit longer, but it's two hours. The parents, we we know that our families um, who have kids with special needs, the divorce rate is higher in those families, and so we want to provide those parents an opportunity to go out on a date to to um, relax, to, to be able to spend time together um, and, and know that their child is being loved and cared for. And so we have a bounce house, we have story, craft, snack, and, and it's a lot of fun. And then um, for the adult ministry, jumping to the adults, we sort of do the same thing with them with the adults on Tuesday evenings. So we're starting Tuesday evenings every other Tuesday evening. We, um, we have been doing this Monday, so we change days, but we do outings. So a common misconception is that individuals with disabilities don't have the same desires as you and I have, that they don't want to be part of community. And that's not true. They, they have the same core desires, the desire to be loved and to be part of community as every one of us. And so we're trying to create that community for our individuals with disabilities. And um, we have outings and then we have Bible studies that happen on the Tuesday evenings. And then the last aspect is Night to Shine, which is happening February 8th. We are very excited for that. It will, um, we have 412 um, individuals with disabilities signed up to attend Night to Shine. So and
0: that's like max.
1: That, yeah, we are at max capacity. <laughs> we have a waiting list, which is really cool that we get to have a waiting list. And we have um, a lot of volunteers coming with the 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 thing that I'm really excited about is with the 400 individuals with disabilities they'll be bringing caregivers so we'll have around 400 caregivers and then we have a hundred and over 60 people from the community also signed up to volunteer. And so this is neat because all over the world this event is happening and and uniting people Mm -hmm. of different denominations, different beliefs who might never walk through the church doors. Um, These individuals who people, society and sometimes the church see as less valuable or don't have have the same gifts as you and I have, um, are uniting people who um, a lot of times we can't unite. And so it's it's neat to get to be a part of that.
0: It's very cool that uh, that's, you know, Night to Shine is one of the things all of our campuses do together. We don't get to do a lot of all uh, services together. And uh, Night to Shine is one of that. So you guys at uh, the campuses, make sure you're a part of that and come. We need 412 buddies. How many do we have as of the last service? Um, I
1: think we're at like 480. I got, I got quite a few emails come in after okay. that last service. So all right. We're so that has better. to
0: get, you got to get that done today. We do. yes. We got to get that settled, right? So you need 24 more? Yes. 24 more after the service, all right? Yes. Good, good. Um, and I just want to emphasize, too, the respites are for anyone in the community. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go to the Bible Chapel. You may know of a family in your neighborhood just tell them, hey, uh, here's a website or here's some information or here's, you can always call uh, uh, Jacqueline and you can do a, a, a respite with your, with your, um, with your uh, uh, child with special needs and you can, guys can go out for the day and you don't, have to, you don't have to be, you never have to darken the door of the church other than just let us minister to you and maybe they will and maybe they won't but we get to minister uh, to their families. That's pretty cool. Jacqueline, with, with all the medical stuff going on today, a lot of uh, couples get uh, prenatal tests. Um, and sometimes the tests show, the sonogram shows, that something's not, not going to work as well. There's going to be a disability there. Um, how does that... You've, you've talked to a lot of parents going through that or have gone through that. How does that news affect parents, and how can they kind of work through that?
1: Yes, so a lot of our families have talked about... Um, Quite a few of them have had children who um, they, they, during the sonogram they were able to see that there was a disability. And they said one of the things that was so shocking to them is how the professional field just casually talked about if you're going to continue on with this pregnancy. You know, just it, it was just such a casual conversation. Like, like the life didn't matter because they had a disability. Um, many of them had had other children and, and they, that wasn't a conversation that was ever mentioned to them before. So it was only mentioned because their child had a disability. And so it was just very... Um, Kind of shocking to them and and i think a lot of us know about the statistics of children who, who are diagnosed with um, down syndrome and that it's a very high statistic in the in denmark it's 98 percent of those children are aborted in iceland it's 100 percent in the united states it varies depending on the, the area but it's around 67 to 80 some percent you know are, are aborted and um and one of our parents who has a, a little girl with down syndrome she sent me this um about um, her her daughter and what she wanted people to know. She said these children have a glow inside their genetic makeup that makes even the co- that warms even a cold heart. So why are we constantly surrounded by an established network filled with stories from family members telling us they were recommended time and time again to abort? We have to be the voice for these precious babies. They deserve our love and are capable of far more than what we read from the gloom and doom piece of paper. See, I don't know Camry's future any more than I know my son's, husband, or my own, but I know I serve a God of love, and I pray as I write and interact with others in our community that we will see her abilities far exceed the word disabilities. And I think that that's what so many people get caught up with is we hear disabilities and, and we make all of these assumptions about what that means and what that's going to mean. And so I would say if you are a, a woman here and you just received that diagnosis, I promise you we have many families who would love to have a conversation with you about what what's next, what that looks like, because there is uncertainty. There is uncertainty. You, you don't always know the future of, of what's going to be happening like you, you talked about a little bit ago and, and our families would, would gladly walk through that, that season with you and, and help you through that and help you better understand what's coming next and to not just see the disability and, and the gloom that is on that paper but to see all of the joy and the abilities and, and know how loved these these children are and how much joy they bring to the world and and um, know that God created them that way for a purpose, um, and, and they just bring um, a, a, so much joy um, that can sometimes be very overshadowed by the word disability. Yeah.
0: We have a great uh, foster care and adoption ministry here as well, and, and I was told that uh, uh, there uh, there's a movement now of uh, families who want to adopt um, a child with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and the the list of the families wanting to adopt is huge, but but because there aren't many kids with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. many are aborted. Uh, the the list of wanting to adopt are, are is much longer, or much bigger than those that available. Yes. Um, Jack, one of the things I love about you is you're you're a strong leader, and um, uh, you you have a passion uh, for uh, families. Who have individuals with with disabilities, and sometimes um, you know when I'm speaking, I'll say something I won't even realize it, but I've said something that that didn't come across well, maybe offended or hurt or hurt, didn't come across well to a family with individuals with disabilities, and so you've you've been able to come. I love it. Jacqueline's on my calendar, and she comes in and says, "Okay, when you said this, and that's we love that when that happens." So. We brought Jacqueline to all of our campus pastors, and we had, man, we had a couple hours with you. And Jacqueline just taught us, here are things you say, and here are things you shouldn't say, and here, here's the culture that we can build together. So let's talk about that here. Um, a lot of people have misconceptions and apprehensions about interacting mm-hmm. with those with disabilities. Any, anytime someone's different from us, we kind of hold back.
1: She sees herself on the screen. She, I'm going to have Brad come. <laughs> to, I'm gonna, she's like really confused as to what's going on over there.
0: <laughs> Her twin.
1: Yeah, really confused. Um,
0: <laughs> so talk about, talk about those mis- the apprehensions, yeah. how, how can we get better mm-hmm. at that, and the misconceptions that we might have regarding a, a person with Absolutely, disabilities. Absolutely,
1: yes. So I think one of the most common misconceptions, and, and I, I, I've talked to many families, uh, many of our families here about this, and so... One of the biggest things that they said is, is that just because their son or daughter does not verbally communicate the same way you and I verbally communicate, that does not mean that they cannot learn, that they cannot hear, or that they cannot understand. And, and so when you see an individual with a disability, um, don't hesitate to say hello. Talk to them. Have a conversation with them. If I'm being totally honest, when I got into this field, I was very, uh, it, it took time to learn how to have a conversation with someone who didn't communicate back the same way that I communicate. And so it, it might feel uncomfortable. It might um, push us out of our comfort zone. But we're not called to live a life of comfort. We're called to to love others and to step into that um, discomfort. And so uh, I want to read something that Jill Martin had sent me um, Uh, talking about this and she said I think many people are afraid to say or do the wrong thing when it comes to addressing disabilities but avoiding us because it might be uncomfortable should not be an option God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves not just those who are like us and I think that that's a, a big misconception and 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 that our, our individuals don't desire to have the same thing, have the same community as you and I desire. Or that because they won't say anything, that it doesn't matter that I'm talking in front of them or talking about them in front of them. And um, and that's not true, and, and, and many of our families would love to talk with you about that. If you have questions about, you know, hey, my son is in your son's class or my child is in your child's class and he was asking why does your um, son or daughter have these behaviors and I couldn't answer that and I didn't know how to answer that. Mm-hmm. How can I better answer that? Um, our parents would love to have that conversation with you and help you better be able to communicate with their son or daughter or better help your, your child be able to engage with their son because they are able to engage. It's just different than what... Um, some other children are, and I think it's important to note that every child learns differently. Sometimes we get so focused on that that label of disability, and we forget about the fact that all children learn differently. Um, some people are visual; some people are, are you know, learn better tactile. And so, it, it it's just um, a common misconception to assume things about our children. And um, and then with that also, um, not all disabilities are visual. So many um, many. Kids who have disabilities or adults who have disabilities have um, visual traits um, that are characteristics that go along with that disability. But some of our kids, um, autism is a very big spectrum. Um, So you have from our higher functioning individuals to individuals who are lower on the spectrum. And so some of our individuals who are higher functioning, they may just, um, they're functioning in the world and they're able to drive or get a job, but they're also that individual who is, missing a lot of social cues that you and I have just learned through interacting with people. They don't pick up on um, having a conversation with you. I shouldn't interrupt. They don't pick up on um, how close we should be standing to each other and what makes you feel comfortable. And sometimes that can feel very uncomfortable, or we just get annoyed that that person keeps interrupting us or isn't, you know, um, isn't doing things that are socially appropriate. Instead of us being patient and kind with that person, because we, we don't know, maybe they do or maybe they don't have a disability, but but to just be patient and kind with them. And, and many of our parents have talked about, um, they've, they've been approached in public, um, not necessarily here, but in, in public places in the grocery store and have been told, you know, maybe if you just discipline your child more, they would behave. And, and you can't out-discipline um, these behaviors these some of our children um, have get upset or have meltdowns because of lighting because of sounds or, or things that parents can 't control and and so for us to assume that um, they're just bad kids or bad parents um, that that's not helpful for our families and so I think with that um, we also Sometimes we'll we'll breathe that sigh of relief when that kid isn't in our classroom that can be very disruptive. Or when that adult isn't downstairs in our classroom when, when that, that's harder to teach. And and those are the families that we need to be calling and say, hey, we missed you. We want you here. Because they get that everywhere else they go. You know, the parents, when they're coming to pick up their kid who, who's had a rough day um, at, at preschool or daycare, they hear over and over again, your child was bad, your child was bad. They, When they come here, we need to tell them, hey, we, we struggled with little Johnny today. Um, is there anything we can do better next week to help him better sit, through story, or share his toys better, or whatever it may be, you know, the parents are the experts, ask them, they, they know um, how to help you better serve their children. Um, they do that every, every day, they're, you know, they're with them 24 hours a day, so they're, they're the experts, don't hesitate to, to talk to them, and, and that makes them feel loved and welcomed and included and part of community.
0: You have mentioned, and this was very convicting to me when you mentioned it last night and at the nine, uh, a lot of uh, families with individuals with special needs, um, their, their schedules get interrupted sometimes mm-hmm. uh, at the last minute. And so uh, you might invite them over and they may have to cancel, or they'll say no a few times, or if they're in a small group, they may not be able to make it each time. And I was just thinking, you know, we do our living grounded for membership, and you got to be at ten. And a special needs a family may say, I'm out. I can't do that. So we got to do a better job at that. So let's drill down on that a little bit. Um, you know, the church should be the place where every person, regardless of who we are or how different we are, every person should be welcome and every person should be loved. And there should be a sense of community. And, and we got a lot. We'll just say we got a lot of work to do here. Uh, You know, uh, I know with kids, sometimes people talk about there are cliques in 56, so there are fifth fifth and sixth graders. There are cliques in junior high, there are cliques in high school. But you know what? The youth group's just a microcosm of the church. There are cliques all over the place. And it always kills me when, you know, the same people are talking to the same people week after week after week when brand new people are all around and people who can't break the clique. So we've got to de click uh, the church. And we can start. Uh, with, with us as adults, mm-hmm. and, then, and then grow that from, from all, uh, within all of our ministries. But So help us with that. Let's focus on uh, families with, with disabilities. I was talking to a, a, a person after the last service, and she said our grandson, he's just this great kid, but he has a disability, and it kills us when we see him just standing alone mm-hmm. when there are a bunch of youth just hanging out over here, and he's just by himself. And yeah. so she said, encourage the youth to bring him Absolutely. in. So that's just not the youth. That's all of us. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to us about that. How, how, do, how do we work at, just give us some pointers. How do we work at just getting beyond our fears, and getting beyond when we might say something we shouldn't say,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and really be the church and yeah. include everyone in?
1: Yeah, so um, I, would, I would say, look at what we're called to do. We're called to love. We're, we're not called to sit in comfort. As Christians, and and can having a conversation with an someone who has um, a disability, can that sometimes be uncomfortable? Yes, but feel that discomfort, lean into it, pray that the Lord will open your heart, give you the words to have that conversation with that person who's maybe a little socially awkward, or 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 like you were saying, invite that family. It might take ten times to invite that family over for dinner, but the eleventh time they'll come, and and so just keep. Reaching out and, and, and thinking outside of ourselves. Not, not to take things personally if they cancel. That, that's not anything that you've done. Life can be very unpredictable for our families and, and so and, and for our kids. And so reaching out to our kids, talking to our kids, it might be uncomfortable, but lean into that. Feel that discomfort know that it's okay. I had someone say to me that, that they were really worried about signing up to be, um, a buddy for night to shine. That that was the scary for them. And, and it's okay. Like, I'm not going to say that that's not okay to feel that, but that doesn't mean that we don't step out in that discomfort and still take that step that the Lord is calling us to do, to, to step out. Um, you know, Jesus came and walked this earth and and was our example for how we are to live and, and stepping out in, in things that are uncomfortable and, and being willing to be vulnerable with each other and, and, and that doesn't, we can't leave that to the church, to the church down the road, to the Bible chapel here, to the staff. That's each one of us individually. We are responsible for that, and are we doing that? Are we, are we willing to step out in that discomfort, whether it's a family with special needs or just somebody who's hard to, to talk to or to be around who, who might get on your nerves that, that doesn't mean they have special needs I'm sure I get on people's nerves like you know so it just being willing to have those conversations to love people and to be the hands and feet of Christ and and our families are are desiring that as well and it might be different but different doesn't mean it's bad. And so things might look different in your core group or look different at that dinner, but that doesn't mean it's bad. The amount of joy that you'll get from from our families and from our children and our adults is just, it's it's wonderful. The Lord has, um, many of our families say the Lord has just blessed us. You know, a lot of people, Camry's mom said that when she said that she had her daughter had Down syndrome, so many people apologized to her for that, and she just she was like, I didn't, I don't understand that now. Like she brings so much joy to our life that um, you know we wouldn't trade her for anything, and and so many of our families feel that way. That the amount of joy that their children bring don't don't not to feel sorry for these families, but to welcome them, to engage them, and to love them just like we're called to do. That's
0: great. Um, Thirty seconds. Anything you want to tell us? Last, last thing you want to tell us? Anything we missed that you'd like to uh, share before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I would just say I—I'll I hit this kind of one more time. Um, don't get stuck on the disability. Find the abilities. Every child, God created each one of these children uniquely and in his image. And then we, for, I feel like sometimes we forget that they are created in his image, even though they might look differently than you and I look. They're still created in mm-hmm. his image. And so f- look for their abilities because every one of these children brings great abilities and great joy to this mm-hmm. this nice. church and this world.
0: That's a great, great reminder. Let's step down there while the worship team gets ready. And I'm going to ask Jacqueline. First of all, just thank Jacqueline for her ministry. And- I'm going to ask Jacqueline to pray for us. And Jacqueline, pray for all of us, right? We're going to declick this place. Yes. Uh, pray for um, us to get out of our comfort zones. And pray for uh, the, our, our families uh, who have individuals, sons and daughters with special needs. Will you do that? Yes.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for... Um This time that we are able to come before you and just, um, Lord, I just pray for each person here. I pray that you all um, just speak to their hearts, encourage their hearts, help them to step out of their comfort zones, help them to um, lean into the discomfort, Lord, to know that you have called us to love one another. And I just pray that we will love um, as your son has has demonstrated for us to do, Father, that um, we will just... Be a, a church that um, is welcoming to to all um, families, um, and Father, I just pray for our families who have um, children and adults with disabilities. Lord, I just pray that you will encourage their hearts today, help them to know um, how valued they are, how loved they are, and how um, how grateful we are that. Um, that they are here and that you have created their children perfectly, Lord. And um, we just thank you for your love and for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.